You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources. Grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey, thanks for joining me for this episode of Life Repurposed. It is number 121, and this is the last of the interviews of the authors that are in the Life Repurposed book. It came out in the spring of 2021, and throughout this podcast season, I've been interviewing the authors. They're telling their stories of how God has repurposed something in their life. This week is Darla Grieco. She's an author who has been published in Guideposts, Angels on Earth magazine. She's in some Chicken Soup for the Soul editions. She's also in the 2021 book Wit, Whimsy, and Wisdom, which is a devotional. She's written several in there. And then she has a chapter in the Life Repurposed book. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Darla's story a little bit. And she's going to share a link to her website at the end. So you'll want to get that in the show notes as well. In Darla's story in the Life Repurposed book, she talks about a field trip that she went on with her daughter as she was entering high school and as her daughter was entering high school, not Darla. And she talks about how she gets off the bus and goes through this experience of interacting with parents and getting out of her comfort zone. Now, we don't give all of it away in this interview, so you can read her full story in the Life Repurposed book, but we touch on the topics that transformed Darla on that trip. And so that really had to do more with her jumping in and seizing life at its fullest. And that's what she's doing. So she has some words of wisdom to offer for anyone who is thinking about a next step, who has some transition that's happened because maybe their kids are at a different point in life or something needs to change in your job. Darla's going to speak directly to you with some words of wisdom about that and taking that brave step of just getting out there and doing something new and pursuing what God has called you to do. Here's my interview with Darla Grieco. Thank you, Darla. It's so great to have you join me today. Thanks for having me. So I looked at your bio and I we have several things in common. One was a love of tennis. How often do you get to play tennis? Well, during the winter months up here in Western PA, I'm only playing about once a week, but my leagues will be starting in a couple of weeks for the outdoor season. And then sometimes I play up to five to seven times a week. Wow. Okay. So you're way more into it. Than, I mean, I play like once every three years <laughs> because nobody wants to play with me. I, I guess um, I'm a little too competitive, I think. Oh, I love competitive. I enjoy that. Um, you know, even playing for fun. Um, I'm not a fan of my husband hitting moon balls on purpose. <laughs> As a doubles partner, it doesn't work out very well. Did you play in school then? I played in high school and then in college, I played for one season because I was also a diver and they required me to give more energy to that. Wow. So that, yeah, that is a big commitment. So you had an indoor sport and an outdoor sport. So have you always been athletic? Uh, no, I wouldn't really consider myself that athletic. 
I don't consider myself at all athletic. Tennis is the one sport that I love. I used to fantasize about it in junior high, like I was going to be a pro because I'd go outside and hit off the barn. Nice. Pretend I was, let's see. Um, I think you're younger than me. So who was, who was the tennis star when you were growing up that you wanted to be? Wow. My sister actually. Wow. <laughs> my sister was a super athlete. So I would have to say, yeah, I was probably wanting to be her. Who would have been the star? I don't know that I, I, I think watched. I was like Martina Navratilova or something like that it was. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I'd pretend I was her when I was out there hitting off the barn. <laughs> so you're one of the authors in the Life Repurpose book, and we want to talk about your story in there. And one of the things I love about your story is that you present an everyday scenario and how it transformed you. And I think it's evidence that a life transformed does not have to be like some dramatic thing. So tell me how you ended up in this place where you were a chaperone on a field trip? Well, at that season of my life, I was mommy. That was pretty much my, the entire identity that I focused on mommy and wife. And I was staying home with the kids at that time for the most part. And so anything that had to do with them, I would get called to action. And of course, my husband and I weren't thrilled about my daughter going on this field trip in the woods for three days without a parent chaperone. So I do think that is one of the more fun parts of the story. God uses unique measures to get us into the place he wants us to kind of teach us what he wants us to learn. So yeah, I did a lot of chaperoning too, just be for that same thing. It's like, I didn't want to be there. We, we kind of would pretend we weren't related when I was there, <laughs> but I, but I felt like being there was helpful uh, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on that, you know, it's like, I'm not a helicopter parent, but right. <laughs> being there is good. So this was an outdoors trip. Yes, it was. So how outdoorsy would you rate yourself? Oh, boy, that's a tough question. I absolutely love the outdoors. I love sunrises and sunsets and mm. pretty flowers and going into a really nice resort to sleep. So <laughs> I would say this was a challenge for me as far as the types of tasks we were doing, bird watching. <laughs> wouldn't be my first choice. How about sleeping arrangements? Was it comfy? The sleeping arrangements? No, it was not. They were very <laughs> thin mattresses. If you even call them a mattress in a little tin cabin in the woods. Uh, there were two sides, two bedroom sides and a very limited bathroom in the center. So even showers and everything were in a different facility. So so that kind of thing is challenging enough for me because I, my attitude does not stay positive if I don't get enough sleep yes. and if the conditions are less than ideal. Okay, so tell me about the emotional state of mind that you were in when you headed out with a busload of kids. The emotional state I was in at that season in my life in general was pretty, I guess you would say, reactionary. I put out fires. I reacted to whatever was going on with the kids, with the house, with the family. Um, didn't necessarily usually have a plan 
or agenda of my own. So part of that emotional state, I guess you could say was almost sad for me Mm. um, because I was just reacting to life, doing what I needed to do, I guess Mm -hmm. is what you could say. But I also always had the mindset to make the best of the situation. So I still went into the situation with, yeah, let's go do this. Let's try to have fun. You know, let's do what needs done. So thinking back, what would you say your biggest struggle was at that moment? In that stage, I would say I struggled most with looking at what I was doing and wondering what that value was. Uh, I did have... Mm a master's in psychology that I wasn't using and transitioning. And I, I think a lot of women deal with that transitioning from that education. And I think I heard you mention that on one of your podcasts, I was listening to you transitioning from that to staying at home and being called to dishes and laundry and grocery shopping and screaming kids all day. It wears on your value if you don't have your identity secure and knowing who you are. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So I think back to having left a career as a nurse to be home with the kids. And when you're working in a career outside of the home, you have people validating you every day, thanking you for what you're doing, um, relying on your gifts and your skills. And even though our kids rely on those, they don't give us that kind of feedback. So in some of those most uh, most difficult moments, where did you reach out for help? I probably didn't that much. I had some circles of friends. I wasn't a big, um, I wasn't often a person to ask for help at that season of my life. That has changed significantly. But at that point, I was a take charge person. I stopped a lot of things and I always wanted to treasure that calling, that calling to stay home with the kids and hold it in the priority. I knew that it should be, uh, as a Christian woman. Um, but yeah, some days were easier than others, I guess with that. And of course I did Mm -hmm. have a prayer life. I did typically attend Bible studies. So I had somewhat of a support network around me. What was it about chaperoning a field trip that was transformational for you? Wow. Um, It seems like so many things happened with that field trip. And of course, I was on it for my daughter, not for myself. So that was the um, probably more interesting element about it. And that was a turning point in that it highlighted the season when my children were babies because of a woman I met on the field trip or ran into again on the field trip. Mm -hmm. And it also helped pull me out of my shell and prepare me for the next season of my life. Now that I had a middle schooler and three kids in elementary school. There was something I could relate to in your story, and I won't tell all of it because people can read that whole part of your story in the Life Repurpose book. But you talked about sitting on the sidelines when they were asking parents to participate. And I'll tell you, I'm the kind of person who says, oh, no, you go ahead and play. You get messy. I'm just here to chaperone. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. 
So um, then you got involved because somebody pulled you into the action. What did you learn about yourself when you stepped into the action instead of sitting on the sidelines? I learned that there was another side of me that I think I had been oppressing. I started taking myself at some point, I started taking myself too seriously as a parent and a person and just having such high standards all the time. And I learned getting out there and experiencing that fun that, you know, we, we're called to be serious in certain ways, but wow, there's fun to be had. There's life to live. It's such a metaphor for life though, too, because think about how many people sit on the sidelines and they miss something. So can you think of other things in your life that you sat on the sidelines and you wish you could go back and like, now I would participate? Well, I think COVID has done that for a lot of us um, Mm -hmm. because it's, it's very unnaturally sidelined us and it's easier to sit back over this last year and look at what's going on and going, what did I miss? What did I not partake of or not partake of enough that it's time to go do that as soon as we're set free? Yeah. I've been observing too, though, that it actually unplugged me from some things that I felt obligated to do and made me really, really evaluate like what matters to me in life. So it has changed me for the better in many ways. Have you seen that happen too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I have more of a respect myself and I've, I've seen it, you know, in general with friends, acquaintances, just simplifying life so that we can make more time for relationships or experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, I think missing out on that over the last year, hugs, a, a fellow mom saw me in the grocery mm-hmm. store. She goes, are you hugging? And it's just, she hugged me in the middle of the grocery <laughs> store and almost just burst into tears because you, you just don't realize how valuable and precious even that touches from another. Yeah. When you think about like, um, it made me reevaluate what matters. Like if I could do one thing today that I used to do, then it would be like, okay, well, it wouldn't be, it actually isn't usually go to the grocery store. I'm like forever. I will do grocery store pickups if I can, because I don't care about that unless I see a friend there. Um, but we had a granddaughter born during that time. And it was like, yeah, this really changed how often we were together and how much I saw her. So it's like I would trade seeing my granddaughter for going to the grocery store any day. We'll be right back to the episode after this break for a sponsor. Do you have a message or a brand, a book, a podcast, something that you would love to promote to a new audience? I'm looking for sponsors for this Life Repurposed podcast. So if you would like to have an ad read right here in this place on the next episode, you can reach out to me. You'll find my contact info at michellerayburn.com. And you can reach out and ask me for more information about sponsorship of Life Repurposed. And now back to the interview. I love how you talk about how you stepped out of your comfort zone. 
Have you done that more now? Have you found more opportunities to jump in and be silly or do something that it's like this is not would not have been my normal character? I would say yes. I am experimenting more with saying yes to things and, and asking why not. I think so often we get in our minds, you know, for example, having chicken for breakfast. Why can't I have chicken for breakfast? <laughs> why can't and, I yeah, have cake I, for I breakfast? I know that's just a very simple breakdown. You're talking about big experiences, I'm sure. But but in general, just asking, well, why not? Why do I get these impressions upon me or these ideas and live them out? And for me personally, I'm to the point, if it's not in the Bible, just tell me I can't do it then sure I can wear white jeans in the winter. (laughs) So I, you know, that's just me, but. Yeah. So that's a really good life application because when you think about it, all those little things are practice for the bigger things. If on a daily basis, I practice saying yes to some things that would have been, you know, in my old rigid self, because I can really relate to your story as a mom raising kids, I was pretty rigid. It's like now if I could go back, like, let, yeah, let's have something weird for a meal. Let's not box it all in. Then it's practice for when something bigger comes along. So as you think through the process, what are some of the, what are some of the big dreams you've had over your life that you've been slowly stepping into? Well, it's funny because that story doesn't capture the whole story, but my big dream was to be a writer and really the main point of my story is it talks about seasons and I'm not going to ruin it, but <laughs> essentially my experience at that camp highlighted a prior season that I had lived to when I used to do and be a certain way. And then that came back and I was able to see the fruit of that nine years later mm-hmm. And then during that season, I was learning about my next season. It was shortly after that experience that I started toying with that dream of mine to become a writer. Um, A few short years later, I started submitting and finding some success with my writing. And still, I'm working on cleaning up a certain season of having a major role in our company so I can pursue my writing more so. So it's just never know where God's going to have us in each of those, those little segments of our lives. Right. One of the things that resonated with me from your story was that we never know when something we say or do for somebody else might make a difference that we knew nothing about. So when somebody comes back and says, you said this to me, or you wrote this note to me, or you gave me this verse, and it affected my life. We move on. We don't, we don't have any idea that it affected somebody. So how did it feel for you to have somebody come to you at this field trip and say, you did something that made a difference in my life? I think I desperately needed that affirmation at that time. I believe I was at a point, as I mentioned, really questioning what is, what is the point of all this constant craziness and chaos, which was my life with, I had four kids, um, in five years. So (laughs) it it was always intense while they were kids. Well, it's still a little intense, but 
that affirmation and that reminder that I did something at one point and I didn't just do something at one point, I'm still living and breathing in the season I was in them with the kids and those minutes matter too. And mm -hmm. though our children are less likely to say, thanks for that mom, we need to take really confirmation that it does matter. All those minutes with them matter. And just keep plugging along and try to encourage others where we can, or if we're prompted to share that, that special word with them or that thank you note, we just have to be obedient and do it. Yeah. I want you to pretend that um, the person sitting across from you right now is somebody who's struggling with taking a leap, taking a next step. They're afraid because they have a dream, but they don't know what to do with it. What words of encouragement can you offer? I would say to trust that dream. Don't allow anyone to tell you no, it, because the only person God's going to give that dream to is you personally, and he's going to confirm it. He's going to pave a way, and you need to trust him with that dream and the steps you need to take and go for it. And for some people, they might need to do some little warm-up practice. So it might be that they do need to change up the routine, take a risk on something, say no to something so they can say yes to something else. Can you think of some things that you've had to say no to along the way in order to be the best mom and be the best writer that you could be? Wow, I know uh, one of the first and most difficult things I had learned to say no to was a lot of the parent involvement um, activities I participated in, whether it was classroom mom, PTO meetings, and it got to a point where I had to really look at my value system and things that matter to me each day. It may be at one point it was, you know, God, family calling, and every day my to-do list revolved around, am I addressing one of those three value points with that task? And if not, I would have to say no to that. Um, and not to mention, I learned that my children really didn't like when I was the classroom parent anyway. So <laughs> that made it an easy decision. <laughs> I did that when my kids were little. I don't know if they liked it or not. I didn't, I only did it through like third grade, but in high school, I was the accompanist for the choir. So I'd go into their choir time and I'd be in there playing piano for the choir. <laughs> and again, I would, it's kind of like when they went to camp, let's not, pre, let's not be related today. Don't call me mom in front of anybody. <laughs> uh, what do you say to the mom out there who's trying to juggle it all and um, just feels like you did when you left on that field trip, like, oh, is, does any of this really matter? The main thing I encourage in women right now is to find accountability. I know some people call it a tribe. Um, I know, and especially through COVID, I had become more and more secluded and mm -hmm. private. And I think, you know, a lot of us struggle with that. And I found the way to really get back to what mattered was to find a Bible study with encouraging women and accountability. Um, 
I'm doing some other groups to work on my personal growth, uh, writing groups, Toastmasters speaking groups, just ways to uh, grow and really find a network of people that understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So that word accountability, like, I, you know, it's used in so many different places and some people see it as a negative thing and some people see it as a positive thing. So what kind of accountability has helped you to take steps forward? We should mention that accountability, we have to be cautious in the type of accountability we're looking for. I think some of the seasons in my life, I was perhaps surrounded by people who might not support or even admit their struggles with Mm. say parenting, or maybe if you're having trouble in your home or anything like that, like finding those safe places is really valuable. And another thing with accountability for me is that it's important to find people who are going to tell you what you don't want to hear. And I know that's hard and and some people misunderstand that, but we can find people all day, every day that are going to tell us what we want to hear. You know, leave that husband, uh, just ground your kids, take away their stuff. You show them who's boss. Like we, we can get that. I think the more important part is to find those people who are going to give us godly counsel support and really grace too for whatever we're going through. That's really a challenge with women to find. For me, it's taken me a while to find the right people to feel like I can trust them and then open up like that. Yeah. Accountability almost has to come with confidentiality in many ways. Right. I don't need, you know, I want want someone to hold me accountable but not to spread my business to everybody else. Right. And I think that comes with mutual uh, relationship. You know, you share with me and support me and I'm sharing with you and supporting with you. And that that's um, more powerful Mm -hmm. than it being a one-sided relationship. Yeah. You mentioned that you're a speaker. What are you most passionate about speaking about? So where can people find you online? My website is dsgreco.com. And mostly on it, I share reading, writing, and a whole lot of faith is the blog title or the website title. And I like to share, as far as reading goes, any books I've read and reviews, writing, I share about my journey and also any good writing tips I find. And then the faith part is just God's stories and things I've learned, lessons I've come across and redemption stories. I love redemption stories of people overcoming their trials. Yeah, that's exactly what Life Repurposed is about. So I love that. It it really is exciting to see what God does in other people, because then when we see their stories, it inspires us to um, let God do that in our lives, to be brave about taking a next step, getting out of our shell a little bit. So I will link to that in the show notes so people can find it. And Grico, 
Darla Grico, we want to make sure that your last name is spelled so they can find it. So it's D-S-G-R-I-E-C-O.com, right? Okay, yes. so we'll make make sure there's a link to that. As we wrap up today, I want you to think about those transformation stories that you just talked about, because that is the heart of the life repurpose message. What would you like to leave with our listeners as we close today? I guess I'll leave with the gist of the story I shared in Life Repurposed, and that is for every season, God has a purpose. Try to enjoy the season you're in, look for the blessings in it, and also remain prepared for the next one. Just keep an open mind and an open heart and, and walk into it with confidence. Thank you so much for joining me today to share your heart with our listeners. Thank you for having me. You'll find the link to Darla's website and the content that we talked about in this episode in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 121. It's episode 121, so it's easy to find. Thank you so much for your support of the show. If you would love to donate a little bit, you'll find a button on every episode in the show notes for buy me a coffee. It's just a way of giving five bucks towards the show. And whether I use it for coffee or not, you'll never know. It might be for new equipment for the podcast. So thank you so much for being a friend of the show. I will see you next time with the wrap-up interview, the last one in season four of Life Repurposed. Just a solo with me chatting with you some gratitude about this whole season. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? Share a link with a note to invite them to listen. And thank you for listening too.